Hello and welcome to the Hot Rod Bible Study, where tonight we're trying new technology. We got a microphone on, we, <laughs> which which makes a lot of sense. It's a mic, and most of the guys that show up the Hot Rod Study are named Mike. So I guess what else can we do? But glad to have you here. Uh, we're continuing on in our uh, study in the Book of Job, uh, chapter 33 to be exact. So if you'd like to open your Bible and and put a marker in there, because We'll be reading in the book of Psalms before that. Now, uh, something I wanted to mention tonight, with all this stuff that's going down, going on with all the lockdown and things like that, uh, I have a pretty good idea that not everybody who's listening to this is doing real well. Uh, Maybe doing okay physically, but maybe dealing with a little bit of spiritual warfare. Uh, I have to admit, I've dealt with that a bit this week and it's appropriate that we are in the book of Job because it doesn't matter what Satan's trying to tell you that oh you're not good enough you'll never get this done all the world's coming to a screeching halt all your plans are shot hey God is with us we have the real advantage of knowing through scripture what Job had going on, that God was with Job at the time. Job didn't know it, but we have that advantage. So I just want to encourage you that when Satan starts saying something silly in your ear, tell him to buzz off, Buckwheat, because you know what? God is with you. He's on your side, and he's going to keep you through it. So there's my little short homily on spiritual warfare. And honestly, if, if you've never experienced it, Praise God. But those of you who have, you know what I'm talking about. So be that way. Now, we're going to once more, once more I want to read Psalm 46, because it is appropriate for this time, where it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be he, she shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who made the desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots in fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Be still. No God's with you. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that we're able to come here and study your word. We uh, praise your holy name that you gave us this word so that even when things are tough, when Satan is, is attacking us, that we can know for certain that you are with us. 
So, Lord, we pray that everything we do here this evening is uh, glorifying to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here we are, back. Job, chapter 33. Uh, you'll probably recognize a little bit of this because I wandered into it a little bit last week, but it just makes sense to do the entire chapter tonight. So, don't think that I'm... Well, you can think that I'm getting old and forgettery, but yeah, we're... We're just going to go in like this, where it says, Elihu is the new guy who's been giving Job some, uh, some advice. He says, please, Job, hear my speech and listen to all my words. Now I open my mouth. My tongue speaks in my mouth. My words come from my upright heart. My lips utter pure knowledge. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. If you can answer me, set your words in order before me. Take your stand. I, truly, I am as your spokesman before God. I also have been formed out of the clay. Surely no fear of me will terrify you, nor will my hand be heavy on you. Surely you have spoken in my hearing. I have heard the sound of your words, saying, I am pure, without transgression. I am innocent, and there is no iniquity in me. Yet he finds occasions against me. He counts me as his enemy. He puts my feet in the stocks. He watches all my paths. Look, in this you are not righteous. I will answer you, for God is greater than man. Why do you contend with him? For he does not give an accounting of any of his words. For God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of night, when the deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering on their beds, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction in order to turn man from his deed and conceal pride from man. He keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing with the sword. Man is also chastened with pain in his, on his bed and with strong pain in many of his bones so that his life abhors bread, his soul succulent food, his flesh wastes away from sight and his bones stick out which once were not seen. Yes, his soul draws near the pit and his life to the executioners. If there is a messenger for him, a mediator, one among a thousand, to show man his uprightness, then he is gracious to him and says, Deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. His flesh shall be young like a child's. He shall return to the days of his youth. He shall pray to God, and he will delight in him. He shall see his face with joy, for he restores to man his righteousness. Then he looks at men and says, I have sinned and perverted what was right, and it did not profit me. He will redeem his soul from going down to the pit, and his life shall see the light. Behold, God works all these things twice, in fact, three times with a man to bring back his soul from the pit, that he may be enlightened with the light of life. Give ear, Job, listen to me. Hold your peace, and I will speak. If you have anything to say, answer me. Speak, 
for I desire to justify you. If not, listen to me. Hold your peace, and I will teach you wisdom. That's where we stop off in chapter 33 with our friend Elihu, the new kid in town. Again, uh, pardon me. It's water. Elihu says to Job, Please, Job, hear my speech and listen to all my words. Now I open my mouth, my tongue speaks in my mouth, my words, my words come from my upright heart, my lips utter pure knowledge. Eight my's in three verses. I have an idea young Mr. Elihu is a little bit full of himself. Uh, we do that. I, I, I believe that I'm finally getting a little bit more mature and not doing that so much. I uh, might ask my friends, they might have a different opinion. But uh, you can see here that Elihu is a little bit immature and he sure thinks he's pretty, pretty sharp. Verse 4, he goes on to say, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. On this point, he is certainly right. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So Elihu is right when he says, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Just as every one of us. Nothing new. This is good to know, though, because don't think that you're a self-made man. It's back to, I think I shared this last week, where the problem with self-made men is they seem to worship their Creator. They're pretty full of themselves, which it sounds like our friend Elihu is here. Okay, verse 5. He goes on to say, If, there's a big if, If you can answer me, set your words in order before me, take your stand. He is challenging Job. He's actually taunting him as far as I can see because he's saying, Well, if you're so good, why don't you come up with this? If you can do this. Then he goes on to say in verse 6, Truly, I am as a spokesman before God. Again, showing a little bit of immaturity, bragging about how he is. He says, I also have been formed out of clay. What he's doing here is quoting what Job had to say back in chapter 10, verse 9, where it says, Remember, I pray, and this is Job speaking, Remember, I pray, that you have made me like clay, and will you turn me into dust again? He's speaking to God. So here's Elihu bringing this back up that, yeah, like Job, he too is made of clay. So he's trying to tell Job not to be afraid of him. Where he goes on to say in verse 7, Surely no fear of me will terrify you, nor will my hand be heavy on you. The New Living Translation puts it this way, So you don't need to be afraid of me. I won't come down hard on you. I have a pretty good idea that through all the stuff that Job has been going through, he's probably not really too afraid of Elihu. Okay, I think, 
Uh, he might be a little tired of him, but he certainly is not afraid of him. Verse 8 goes on to say, Surely you have spoken in my hearing, and I have heard the sound of your words, saying, I am pure, without transgression. I am innocent, and there is no iniquity in me. Elihu, like his friends Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar, the three other guys who have been given Job all this sage advice, uh, had been listening to Job, but like so many of us do, not hearing what Job had to say. Because it says in Job 19, verse 20, he says, Job says this, Though I were righteous, my own mouth would condemn me. Though I were blameless, I would prove me perverse. He's saying, hey, you know what? I am a sinful man. The only thing that he does want to point out, and we're going on here, verse 10, he says, um, Elihu again is saying, yet he finds occasion with me. He's quoting Job. He counts me as his enemy. He puts my feet in the stocks and watches all my paths. What Job is doing here is just stating the dilemma that he is in. Talking about the affliction he has and trying to say, the Lord's brought these afflictions upon me where he was mistaken. Remember, this was Satan's doing. The Lord's brought these afflictions upon me and I don't deserve it. Well, we get back to if we got what we deserved, we'd all be rotting in hell because we're all sinners. But here's Job, and I understand. Uh, I think you, you get beat up long enough that you kind of are wondering, why me, Lord? Well, Job will find out about this in coming chapters. It goes on to say, because again, we go back to, remember, Satan comes, talks to God, says, hey, God says, have you considered my servant Job? He is, he is righteous and upright, right? Doesn't say he's sinless. He says he's blameless, pardon me, and upright. Doesn't say he's sinless. So Satan says, okay, if I were blessed like he is, boy, I'd be praising you too, which is a lie. And, uh, of course, Satan's the father of all lies, so it makes sense. And here we let, God lets uh, Satan have his way with Job. He might be having his way, Satan might be having his way with you right now too. Again, this is a pretty tough time. We have to question everything. But remember, God is with you. God was with Job throughout this entire thing. And eventually, God will be pointing this out to Job. Okay, verse 12. Elihu goes on to say, Look, in this you are not righteous, and I will answer you. For God is greater than man. Well, no kidding, Elihu. <laughs> You know what? And he's also greater than Elihu, and he's also greater than Willie, and he's also greater than anybody who's watching this right now. Yes, God's the one what's in charge, as my good friend Daryl would say. That's a neat saying from uh, George. It says, he's the man what's in charge. I, I, I like that, so you'll hear me say that a bunch. But anyway, God, yes, is, is greater than man. Good thing. He's the one who created us, so there it is. Verse 13, Why do you contend with him? 
for he does not have to he does not give an account of any of his words again Elihu is right here because God owes none of us an explanation for anything because it's his will it's his he wants us he wants a relationship with us that his that's his major thing okay and how it comes about it's his doing we we can't figure out here we are finite brain pea brain guys trying to figure out an infinite god and we can't do it uh there's guys that are here tonight and yes we are socially distancing ourselves that all have gone through this have said man what what's going on here and you know what it Whenever you, whenever you have friends in the background making faces and bringing out uh, tape measures to see if you're really doing the social distancing thing, just remember, uh, yeah, when it happens, he'll remember why. But anyway, trying to get me to crack up and it's working. But, but that all being said, you know what? I look back at my life and the silly things that God let me go through. One thing is make it not such a tough deal for me to find illustrations. <laughs> and I can, I can say, well, I know this guy. Yeah, I know him. It's me. But, you know, nobody wants to hear about me. But I can get some guy, it makes for a good illustration. Okay. God doesn't have to give an accounting for his word. God, he just, he has, he owes us no explanations. Verse 14. It says, for God may speak in one way or another, yet man does not perceive it. Yeah, we have a little bit of perception troubles. And so here it is, Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, speaks to this, where it says, For my thoughts, get this, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways, pardon me, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Always remember that. God's thoughts, God's ways are higher than our ways. And what we need to do, and this is tough for, this is really tough for hot rodders to do, and whomever else might be watching this who isn't a hot rodder, is to surrender. We want to be in charge. We want to be the man what's in charge. It's tough to surrender to the will of God. But I'm here to tell you, the sooner you do it, the better off it's going to be for you. <laughs> okay, and then you'll fall back. And I have a friend of mine who says, yeah, I gave it over to God. Yeah, I took it right back about an hour later. we got to remember not to do that, to surrender. Life is better that way. Verse 15. In a dream, a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on men while slumbering on their beds, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction. Opens the ears of men and seals their instruction. Uh, back in chapter 7, our hero Job complained about the things that he was seeing. Given him, uh, well, nightmares. And he complained about all this stuff. Elihu had heard all this. 
And I think Elihu is offering his opinion that God was trying to get Job's attention. If only Job would have listened to God through these dreams, then Job would not be in the place where he is. Yes, God can speak to us through dreams and visions. And that's a good thing. Uh, discerning those things are what's tough. And yet, how do you discern this? How do you discern whether it was just the burrito that I ate last night that I shouldn't have that's keeping me awake or causing me nightmares, or whether it's something from God? Back to Scripture. God gives us Scripture. Scripture interprets Scripture. So your dreams, too, can be interpreted through Scripture. If these dreams don't add up to Scripture, you can probably have a safe bet that they're not from God. Remember that. Verse 17, in order to turn a man from his deed and conceal pride from man, he, meaning God, keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. Giving us a correction, not a condemnation. That's something we always have to think about. You know, it's funny because a lot of us, myself included, have issues with being judgmental. You know, they always say, don't judge a book by its cover. But boy, a lot of times it sure seems easy to do that. And so we can be pretty judgmental. My thought is that we need to be, uh, have discernment on what's going on in somebody's life. Not being judgmental, not condemning. And what's, what's, what Elihu is talking about here is giving a correction, not a condemnation. Okay, if we see somebody who is struggling and they ask, <laughs> then we can offer our opinion. Not just come up and straighten somebody out. You know, my lovely bride is works for Hallmark, and she was Hallmarking the other day. You know, she's one of the few that she's volunteered to go in. She wears her masks, and she had a gal come up to her while she was doing this and said to her, "Do you work here?" And she said, no, I, I, I work for Hallmark. Well, then you need to get six foot away from me. She came up <laughs> and told my wife, after she came up to her, that you need to get six feet away. She could have said, hey, you know, I'd like to look at these cars, the six feet away thing. Could you do that? Instead of ordering her that you should know how to do it. This is the difference. This is being condemning. This is not offering correction. This is being condemning. Here we have... Elihu talking about how the different physical struggles that Job has seen, saying that it was a correction, keeps him again, and he keeps back his soul from the pit, from Sheol, the, the uh, abyss, right? Uh, and his life from perishing by the sword. Verse 19, man is also chastened with pain in his bed. Again, quoting what Job had to say earlier, and with strong pain in many of his bones, so that his life abhors bread and his soul succulent food. His flesh wastes away from sight, and his bones stick out, which once were not seen. Yes, his soul draws near the pit, again, Sheol, and his life to the executioners. Okay. He really is describing Job. In, in the situation where Job is now. Remember, he has sores from the bottom of 
his feet, the soles of his feet, to the top of his head, open sores that have maggots in it. He's lost a bunch of weight. He can't sleep. He's in miserable shape. This is pretty much what Elihu is describing here. And then what he's trying to say is that God is not only trying to correct Job through visions, but also through physical ailments. Not so. Remember, we got it that Satan is the one who's doing this. Remember, God is with Job even through these rotten things he's going through, which is, boy, this study is so appropriate for this time that we're going through in our nation, worldwide. You may not be suffering from anything other than having to, well, there's a lot of people I know who have small businesses who can't go to work. I'm blessed that I'm one of the essentials, that my business is one of the essentials, and my guys are blessed that way. But man, there's people who aren't. This is a tough thing. Remember, God is there. Remember, God is there. Okay, verse 23. If a messenger, if there is a messenger for him, a mediator among a thousand to show man his, which is God's uprightness a messenger for him, a, an angel of mercy. Now, he goes on to say, mediator. Um, we, have, we have a mediator for us. In Hebrews, it talks about this. And I do have it marked. I'll get there quickly, you bet. Years ago, I was up reading scripture at a, at a church service when I was a young guy. And I got myself all messed up and couldn't find something. I think I was going in the Old Testament looking for the New Testament. After that, my friend would get up and say, well, it's right about here in the Bible, Willie. Yeah, well, anyway, but here we are. Uh, listen to this, Hebrews 7, verse 25, where it says, Therefore, he is able to save to the utmost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He, meaning Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, our mediator. It's funny, boy, how does, how does this Old Testament stuff tie in with things that we have going on today? <laughs> Always like that. Keeps on going. All right. Now, to show man his, God's, uprighteousness. Verse 24, Then he, God, is gracious to him and says, Deliver him from, the, from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. Okay, an atoning price to deliver man from death. First Timothy, here we go. Chapter 2, 5 and 7, where it reads, for there is one God and one, hey, here's that word again, mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a, oh, this is the word, ransom for all to be testified in due times, for which I was appointed, he was, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. There's that mediator again, Jesus Christ. That's, that's the thing that we have going for us. 
We don't have anything going for ourselves, but we have Christ in us, which is what we have going for us. Okay. Verse 25. His flesh shall be like a young child's, and he shall return to the days of his youth, unlike Job's current condition. Verse 26. He, meaning the man who is having these afflictions, afflict, afflictions, mainly, namely Job in this instance, he shall pray to God, and he, God, will delight in him. He shall see God's face, his face with joy, for he, God, restores to man his righteousness. Then he looks at men, meaning Job, looks at men and says, he's, he looks at, he being sinful man, looks at men and says, he confesses his sin, I have sinned, and I have perverted what was right, and it did not profit me. <laughs> did not profit me. As my brother used to say when we were little kids, cheaters never prosper. Uh, he used to do that when I would try to cheat at cards or something like that. But that's the thing. It does not prosper or profit someone to pervert what is right. Verse 28, he, meaning God, will redeem his soul from going down to the pit, and his life shall see the light. 29, God works all these things twice, in fact, three times with a man, to bring back his soul from the pit, that he may be enlightened with the light of life. Okay, there's that word all. I like to always say whenever I come up to that word in the Bible is that all means all. That's all all means. All these things. And here he is saying that God was patient with Job. And you know what? Yeah. And he is with us. Boy, isn't that great? Boy, am I glad God is patient with me because I goof up constantly. says... He is patient with us. And even when we are feeling oppressed, again, it's Satan, it's not God. God allows us to build us up. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if you're, if you're getting ready for some sort of competition, uh, physical competition, pardon me, you better, you better do some training. And it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be fun at times. Well, this is the same thing with our spiritual well-being. There are times when it's not going to be fun. But God is with us, and He is perfecting us. It's that iron sharpens iron thing. Really good. Okay, verse 31. Elihu goes on to say, Give ear, Job. Listen to me. Hold your peace. I will speak. If you have anything to say, answer me. Speak, for I desire to justify you. If not, listen to me. Hold your peace, and I will teach you wisdom. He's saying, okay, speak when I allow you to, but don't interrupt me, because you'll learn something from me. Well, that may be true, but I think we all would do better to look in Scripture and learn from God. So that's the deal from this evening. I pray that this keep you all well and, and healthy. And then again, keep, keep in the Word. Don't just wait for, for Willie to show up on Thursday nights.
please keep in the Word. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it's the thing that will keep you going. So with that, I'd like to give you a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. Amen.